0: This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is sponsored by Allbirds. I've been an Allbirds customer for years because their shoes look great. They're super comfortable and they make shoes and clothes that are better for you and better for the planet by using revolutionary premium natural materials. As a runner, I'm also looking for a shoe that feels and fits great out on a run. And so I'm pumped to tell you about the Allbirds tree flyer. I have a pair and they are great. The tree flyer is lightweight super springy and wildly comfortable making your running efforts of all shapes and sizes feel surprisingly effortless. They provide unbelievable cushion and comfort. So even your toughest runs are easier on your body. I noticed from step one, when I put these on, they just felt great. And that's thanks to the swift foam midsole. It's lightweight and big on cushion and energy return. I recommend these shoes because I wear these shoes. I have the orange ones. Plus, they have loads of other great stuff too. And they're hooking you up with a free pair of Allbirds socks on your next order of 50 bucks or more. Just use the promo code pick up the socks. Pretty good, right? Pick up the socks at allbirds.com on your next order of 50 or more and you're getting a free pair of socks from those guys. Lace up the Tree Flyer and get running today at allbirds.com. That's allbirds.com. Welcome to another episode of Pick Up the Six podcast, and today is Veterans Day, and it almost goes without saying, but man, we are just so grateful for all of our veterans. That includes members of my family, members of your family, and those brave men and women who have worn our nation's uniform. We thank you. My guest today is John Davis, and he's the author of Combat to College, Applying the Military Mentality as a Student Veteran. John was an infantry squad leader in the 101st Airborne, He also taught English in Thailand and history to incarcerated teens in New York, and he's the most tattooed person with a Harvard degree. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Brian Jodis back with another episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Grateful to have you guys with us. Grateful to have my guest, John Davis. And before that, uh, just a quick shout out to all my friends at NGBN.tv. That's the National Grassroots Broadcasting Network. We've got a new home over there. More details to come, but we're going to be putting a lot of content up uh, over on that platform. We're going to be streaming there soon enough. Uh, So just want to give some love to those guys. Grateful for Ian Hill, the entire crew over there, that what we're trying to do is create content to bring into the lives of men in their 30s 40s and 50s guys going through whatever they have in their walk of life and we want to create a platform for them uh and so not every story we tell is necessarily tailored towards just the fellas but a lot of them are appealing in this pick up the vein and so just want to give a shout out to my friends at ngbn.tv and excited to uh to have a new home there and we'll be rolling out more details about that as we go john davis joins the show he's the author of combat to college we're going to talk a lot more than just that book but john's good to have you man
1: it's good to be here brian
0: excited to do this and uh but i'm just you know what I, I i'm giving shout outs to everybody thanks to our friends at podmatch for hooking us up and getting this going yeah. like i've explained it before you guys have heard me say this uh it's like speed dating for podcasters and people looking at podcasts <laughs> but we've got some good quality that's come out of that man so just grateful yeah you i well,
1: I, you. I swiped right on you on pod match so i'm glad you did the I same said the
0: other day it's like yeah that's like a guy i might be into uh, yeah so here and we it's,
1: it's when you message someone they don't they don't message you back it is almost like a day like what oh Dude. i'm not interestingly enough yeah. for you i'm not attractive enough yeah. my story isn't good yeah. enough
0: <laughs> well you know what whatever i read seemed like we were a match and here we are <laughs> we're gonna make some podcast gold which is great uh how's your day going man what's going on
1: I'm doing great. I, uh, I did not win the Powerball, or I wouldn't yeah, probably wouldn't I'm be in a pool. here. I I'm probably... in the
0: pool. We keep doubling down. <laughs> we're like, yeah. We're just keep well, I think money someone on thing?
1: California. I think someone won on California is what I just read. Shoot. So, all right. I, I think that you know, I spent about 100 bucks yesterday on tickets, though, and then was sorely disappointed.
0: Uh, it was fun, you know. Look, do you ever really expect to win? Uh, if, if you I'm and I were kind of success? I don't success, know why. You felt I, good about I,
1: it. I felt confident i was like i don't know why i wouldn't win someone's got to
0: well that's a fair point someone's got to i never expect to i've never I, I dude i don't even win on scratch-offs like i'm telling you like never won anything in any kind of chance like a scratch-off or anything maybe a couple bucks here and there but you get a little rush win. from it
1: you know it's not like a military rush but it's you yeah. know i get to get, get a rush from it
0: i was in a pool with i don't know 18 19 20 may, might even be like 20 of us Pulling in, so you know, thought maybe we could uh ride off into the sunset, but that's, that's okay, man. We'll keep working. keep
1: working. Someone's whoever gets the tickets is going to bail on everybody. You hear about those lotto pools where people just, I mean, they relationships get destroyed,
0: dude. You, if you don't have a solid foundation before that, I bet you it would unearth some weakness, uh, and cracks in the walls probably after that if you're not prepared, because you're right, man. like Think about all that comes with that—the responsibility. All of a sudden, everybody wants to know you. A friend and I were having a legit discussion, like maybe you put it in somebody else's name, and so nobody has to know it's you. But people do like in
1: some states. In some states, you have to you have to be public. You have to like put your name out there. And in some states, you can like do it blind or create a trust or something. I looked into it because I was so confident I was going to win. I I was like, I clearly create, get a lawyer.
0: i love it man but uh john davis am, uh so gr- yeah grew up in iowa we're talking before we hit record uh wrestler right went into the military so tell me a little bit about just your journey what got you into the army and you end up in the uh in 101st so just tell us a little bit about that path man
1: we're up uh you know playing sports here in iowa kind of like a cornfield in my backyard and everybody you know you had an outdoor childhood which I think uh we took for granted now that kids don't have outdoor childhoods anymore, but grew up outside playing sports and everything. And I really like the team mentality of sports. I really love team sports. You know, I grew up wrestling, but even when you're wrestling's individual thing, but it's done as a team. I mean you're really in a unit with the wrestling room where you form strong bonds and camaraderie with people and things. And that mentality kind of took me into wanting challenges. And initially, I actually tried a mixed martial arts career, um, so I was doing cage matches when I was like 18, 19, um, was not very good. And I remember getting like beat up after one fight pretty significantly because all the fights were at strip clubs. So you go to strip club, you sign up, you fight. You feel
0: a little bit better after you get your ass kicked
1: yeah (laughs) so i'm in this i'm in the locker room after losing uh i think my second fight in a row which you know it was never a good feeling and one of the strippers was helping me get my sweatshirt on and she was like maybe this maybe this isn't for you i was like yeah probably not especially when they came in the the promoter paid me 100 bucks and a drink ticket and i was like ah this is you know so that uh that kind of was like I, i need a challenge in my life but i'm not sure the right kind of challenge, and that kind of led me into thinking about the military and then joining.
0: I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk. That's great advice, Skyler. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, do you remember? Like, Thank do, you, do you remember her name? Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember her no, name? I Did she give you I her mean, real name? She was, no, I
1: not <laughs> I'm sorry, but man, she changed that. my life, so I yeah. should. was well, good advice. I, I mean, you know, lottery, lottery. you know, I'll go. I'll go for it. Uh,
0: there's some good advice in there and some awareness, right? Like this. This isn't going to work for me. Yeah, I mean, you so then you go down the military path.
1: Yep. Yeah. so then I went went and joined the military, uh, you know, which was hugely great for me. I think nobody really regrets the military service. I mean, you kind of look back at it. Um, you know, I feel like every veteran really has three lives. You have your pre-military life, your military life, and your post-military life. And how I got into helping veterans, I was still kind of obsessed with those transitions because those, those create who you are. And, you know, we, we tend to view our military experiences in a lot of different ways, um, but yeah, that's the military is always kind of home to me and, you know, I, I medically retired. So so I got out.
0: I got you today is November the 11th. As we air this show veterans day, timely to have you on. So we're grateful for you, for all the veterans that have served our great nation. And as we do here, pick up the six we've shared, man, countless stories, right? We're 120 something episodes deep. And I couldn't tell you the percentage of them or folks that have worn the uniform because we just feel such a debt of gratitude, right. To, to highlight those have done something above and beyond themselves through service purpose and impact just just that time man The 101st airborne right uh multiple deployments how was that experience for you and and uh because i it, it feels like you wanted to to keep going right to keep sort of you know to help those after you were done but just how was that experience
1: i really loved afghanistan afghanistan gave me a lot of um gratitude for the life i had you know i always I always had a run of water in my house, you know, heat in the wintertime, you know, air conditioning in the summertime. And you kind of know that 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 type of poverty exists in the world, but it's a lot different when you actually see it, when you bump into people who are really living a, a difficult life, but still showing, you know, resiliency and there's so many stories, you know, from years of deployments, uh, what, what got me, I initially wanted to be a teacher when I came out of the military and what got me into that was, I worked on a team helping open up schools for girls in Afghanistan. And obviously there's so much gender discrimination there in education. And I remember, uh, this one mission we were out and they told us, Hey, don't, don't give any school supplies to girls. We're handing out school supplies, getting the school going. And I, uh, this little girl ran up and she was so cute little green dress reminding reminded me of my niece at that time and she's standing there kind of with her big eyes and i gave her a pack of crayons you know just like hey you know here whatever here have some crayons yeah, like yeah. it's not a big deal and she probably got about eight steps away and this older i don't know if i teenage boy just started beating the shit out of her just grabbed really? her hit her you know just for interacting with the soldier and he's just you know and i'm like i'm there like i'm just gonna I'm going to, I'm going to be on news. I'm going to create a massacre on this village right. in about two right. seconds. Like, you know, and, uh, and that, that instance and kind of other things like it and seeing the reality of how a lot of the world lives is what got me interested in education to begin with.
0: Dude, that's wild. And it's gotta be just a memory, right? That you probably remember for a long time. And and for most of us, a lot of the stories we try to share here is because I think we've quite frankly lost some perspective. Uh, we're pretty comfortable here, uh, mm-hmm. and and I think we've lost some perspective just as to how good we have it. And even when things aren't going great, and and even when things are 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 you know quote unquote tough, and for many of us, look, some of y'all are carrying really hard things, but most of society doesn't face the kind of hardships like that kind of example. Even where just girls in that community, like, no, that's not for you. Like going to school is not for you. Sometimes I think it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, it is it is fortunate that veterans are kind of, you know, given those level of challenges and hardships because that really does make you who you are. I mean, you have to seek a challenging and meaningful, meaningful life. And one of the things... That I wanted to thank you for on Veterans' Day is the civilian military gap in this country has got you know has just widened and widened over the course of the last few years, and I think mm. things like this are how you know veterans can get to know civilians and civilians can get to know veterans because we have become almost strangers to each other it seems over the course of the past twenty years, which is kind of difficult to to understand you know how you can fight wars for twenty years and become more and more separated from the public. Yeah. And especially now we have, you know, the recruiting crisis that that's obviously big in military circles right now with with people not people not joining and and all that. I I did two years as a recruiter before I got out. And, you know, so I understand the recruiting struggle. But the civilian military gap is something that I think is a slow moving crisis for the country.
0: Part of your journey includes degrees from St. John's and Harvard. You talk about being the most tattooed person with a Harvard degree. I think that's pretty cool and probably something that's like my claim effort. to
1: fame. Yeah. Everybody needs like a tagline on Instagram. Right. So that's my most tattooed person with a Harvard degree. How so how many, you
0: know. how many, it's probably hard to say, right? So I'm going to ask a stupid question. How many tattoos do you have? I would guess a lot of them blend together. Can you put a, count yeah, on
1: my, it? my whole body's covered. So it, it's I've uh, like, you know, like 90% of my body is tattooed. So it's, how, it's how a lot. How
0: much, if not all of them have meaning for you?
1: Um, I think that, you know, I actually wrote an article on my website about tattoo therapy because tattoos are something that really transform you and they have such a connection with the military. I mean, tattoos and military are so intertwined. Mm-hmm. If you look at any military formation, you know, there's a, a whole bunch of different tattoos. And I've done everything from getting the drunk tattoo at two in the morning, you know, across the street from the military base to thoughtful tattoos about my mother and family that mean things to me and military units. But uh I don't think you'll find many veterans that are not tattooed at all. I think every veteran at least has one tattoo.
0: My dad, because, was, you know,
1: you go ahead. You have these instances, you have these, these events and these places that mean so much to you right. and you want to remember them.
0: My dad is uh, you know, pretty buttoned up, you know, kind of straight and narrow kind of guy. Uh, but my brothers and I all got matching tattoos when we each turned 18, sort of a family thing. And he always said, oh, yeah, when I retire, 36 years in the Air Force, right? When I retire and finally he did in 2013, we said, all right, time to time to pony up. And he did it. So I got to give him credit on that one, which is. Uh, yeah, it's cool, especially it when you assume, get it right.
1: when, when you're when you're that old. But uh, yeah, yeah and man, he was tattoos- like, uh,
0: man, he was probably he might not have been 60 at the time, but he was pretty close to it.
1: Yeah, the first oh. military tattoos were samurai. They used to tattoo their village on them so they know where to take the body back to after they oh, fell.
0: I don't think so, I knew that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are I mean, and tattoos and warriors have, you know, long been connected through history from like Native Americans, from you know, everything to signify uh battles you've been in and things like that. So it's you know, if you look at like Vikings are tattooed. I got a few Viking yeah. tattoos so I love I Viking it. culture.
0: I dig it, man. I love the I love the story and the meaning. Behind it. Um, and and I'm always a fan of, of that, right? I got a friend who's got, you know, pretty much every tattoo he's got, and he's got sleeves and calves and all that. They've got sort of a scripture meaning to them, right? Mm-hmm. And then another guy that has things interwoven. So those are always cool stories to me. And that 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 culture part that you're talking about, that's pretty neat. I'm gonna go back and maybe look in that a little bit more, maybe read a little bit. I bet you there's some good writing and some good books about those cultures and, and probably how it tied them all together, right? Sort of a a unifying kind of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And tattoos do, like you said, they tell a story of your life. I mean, I always tell people, "Hey, don't don't go to the grave without a tattoo. Make sure you get one, even if you did it like your dad and get it when you're when yeah, you're way older. It. It's he an it. it's a bucket list experience."
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, So, when did you know? It sounds like kind of in your military career, you know, like hey, I want to get into some coaching. I want to help some people out. I know you started coaching student vets while you were at the VA. So, tell me a little bit about that experience and and how that kind of generated for you
1: well, I kind of lucked into it really because you know uh when student veterans get to school we tend to be older we tend to need employment you know there's there's additional things that go along being a student veteran and so many veterans their first stop after the military is college because the gi bill is obviously mm-hmm. one of the great things you know about the military and military service is you get to go to school but just getting the GI Bill doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the degree. So I lucked into a job, you know, I say lucked into uh, because my job was to help student veterans while I was a student veteran. So I would do the paperwork for like certifying their benefits. I would help them towards like, the school and everything. And that gave me a really up close look at the things that veterans were doing that, you know, were screwing them up during education mm. and the stuff I was doing. So I kind of set out to be a role model for incoming student veterans. And that led to me making a, a list. And I call it John's college tips, you know, cause I'm so yeah. creative. And then those tips eventually morphed into the chapters of the book that I wrote to help yeah. student veterans.
0: So I was going to say, I, I, I could feel it as we're talking. I'm like, I bet John sort of develops this process He's he sort of just putting it all down on paper and either you or someone was like, hey, man, I'm pretty sure this is a book. How'd that work out?
1: Yeah, people were telling me like, you know, because I, I just had this list of tips and then I'm that kind of morphed into chapters and I do one on one coaching. And through one on one coaching to people, it's you know, it's very easy uh, to see the mistakes other people are making mm-hmm. and harder to see them within yourself. So there's a lot of little things, you know, the student veterans are doing that was they're creating obstacles for themselves in their education. So I wanted to write something because mainly the book didn't exist and that educational experience is so important, especially when you you think about things like people college degrees kill themselves less people college degrees are addicted less people college degrees are homelessness less people college degrees have better relationships people college degrees make more money it's like you should, so you have all these protective factors around you know getting a college degree that really help out. But the GI Bill just provides the opportunity. And I wanted to give veterans a guide to make it to the, you know, to make it to the graduation stage because I, I find college to be an excellent bridge between the military and civilian worlds, but it's easy to fall off that bridge. And when you're on that bridge, you can find out, Hey, you can rediscover your identity because yeah. your first mission post service has to be to craft some type of personal identity. Cause nothing's really is wrapped up into, uh, into you as the military is. It's just an all-encompassing, dominating force in your life. So you have to kind of shake off that military mentality, but take forward what's helpful and leave behind what's not.
0: You know, my friend Jason from Pre-Veteran, and we had him on Pick Up the Six months ago, talked a lot about rewiring a lot of veterans in that transitioning phase. Not, Not in a bad way, meaning you are just wired to process and think things and think things through in a very specific way that is advantageous us having the most lethal fighting force on the planet some of that needs to change a little bit in that transition are are those things that you picked up on and and saw along the way as you're going through this process
1: yeah you can't really be who you who you were before the military because that person doesn't exist anymore and you can't be who you were in the military because you're operating, like you said, in a different context. So kind of rediscovering who you are is the first mission for veterans. And college provides a good place to do that because you have a little bit of structure, a little bit of routine. You know, everybody kind of thinks that the military is complicated, but it's really not. I mean, you just, you wake up, you know, someone yells at you, do your job. You're told what to wear. You're told where to be. It's not a complicated thing. It's the civilian world that's more chaotic because there's less structure. There's less guidelines to it. Mm -hmm. So college is a good place for veterans to kind of, you know, refigure themselves out uh, right when they get out of the military.
0: I remember I was going through some, yeah, I was going through some work things, you know, uh, we were in the middle of basically starting and launching a digital media firm in DC and just, but I, so we had a lot to do, but also had just a different kind of structure in life. And I remember my dad being like, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I could do it, right? That's a guy who'd spent 30 something years in the military because of some of those structural components. What did you learn about yourself? Right. I always like to ask this of authors, because usually there, there's quite a journey that goes into putting something like this together, man, putting your heart and soul in the paper, putting it out there. So John, what'd you just, what'd you learn about yourself doing it?
1: I think writing is a real uh, reflective thing. And I've really set out to be, you know, an author. I I set out to help student veterans because like I mentioned, so many student veterans, you're starting your civilian life at college and how you do there, especially that first year really has an impact on the the course, the trajectory of your life. Because if you go to college and you, you know, say you end up dropping out, then all of a sudden it kicks off kind of a negative spiral of, of events. But momentum really matters, whether you're on the battlefield, in college or in life, and veterans that get through that first year of school are more likely to make it to graduation. So I wanted to give them a guide for the first year. So I was mainly looking to be uh, useful, but secondly, I was looking to be kind of entertaining. So I tell stories in there about my own experiences, about other student veterans' experiences, and I wanted it to be kind of words from a friend. Like, I really struggled when I first got to college. I remember I was like in, in in trouble like as a 30 year old i was in the counselor's office because i was i threatened another student like the first week of school right. you know because we were in a group project thing and he wasn't doing he wasn't doing his part and of course in the military like hey your responsibility to, yeah, the like team, you need to get, the get your
0: shit together like exactly be, yeah
1: but you can't that talk doesn't fly in like
0: that atmosphere that. no <laughs> right. was like, hey,
1: i'm gonna fucking beat your ass if you don't do this right and of course you can't threaten people in college, you know, or you're not supposed to. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't even get through a full sentence without cursing. I remember the professor Mm -hmm. being like, asking me to stay after. And they were like, hey, John, I love your contributions, but you have to watch your language. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. He goes, you said the F word like four times. I was like, ah, so, you know, it's so in me. And I mean, so student veterans face all these obstacles. My first Mm -hmm. class, I show up. And I show up like 20 minutes early because that, if you're not early, you're late, right. and being late is such an unforgivable sin in military culture. And I'm sitting yeah. there and sitting there and sitting there, and eventually I'm like, ah, I'm in the wrong room, you know. But then finally, like right before the bell rings, right before class was to start, a whole. They all, all the students come in with more than half the students coming in late on the first day, which is just the craziest thing in the world to me, you know, that that would happen. So you do have to rewire yourself a lot to operate in a new environment. And I wanted to prepare veterans for their new battlefield, you know, which is college and your success or failure. There has a huge impact on the trajectory of your
0: life. It sure does. All right. Don't give away all the goods, but right. People are listening. They're like, man, it sounds pretty good. I want to know a little bit more about what's in this book. So tell us what else they can expect when they go pick it up.
1: Well, I, you know, I went from being a community college dropout when I was 18 to have a master's degree from Harvard, not because I'm particularly smart, which, you know, you'll discover if you listen to more of my stuff or read more of my stuff, but because I understood and unlocked the advantages that veterans have in the classroom. It's so easy for veterans, you know, especially combat veterans to focus in on our negative experience in the military, on the PTSD, on, you know, the you're probably broke, things like that, instead of you know, treating your military experience as a launch pad as to something better. So you know how to be on time, like I mentioned, which doesn't seem like a lot, but in today's world, I mean, that's, that's big, you know, how to be disciplined, and taking that discipline in your education and treating your education as seriously as a military mission is how are you going to be successful, because you're not going to fail an exam, if you plan for it, you prep for it, you use all your resources, like you would in the military operation. So that's what my book does, is it kind of, uh lays out the battlefield in a way that veterans will understand it so they can be successful in college
0: nice his name is john davis the book is combat to college applying the military mentality as a student veteran what's teaching english in thailand like
1: It's fun uh, i i love teaching english in thailand yeah because the students all they bow to you a lot and of course right. everybody likes being bowed to, and they're so respectful of uh of education and teacher and teachers and things like that. I mean when I when I taught like did my student teaching in the states you're like seventh graders telling you to fuck off, you know. And yeah. I mean you know, how edu- I mean yeah. anyone listening knows that that's a, you know reality of teacher's face. Yeah. And in Thailand all of the students are very very respectful and they're into education. They if I hand out 30 homework assignments, I'm going to get 30 back. Like there's no, there's no question about it. I remember when I realized I couldn't really teach in the States, at least not the way that I wanted to was I had this, um, this student who refused to take off his earbuds during class. And I was like, Hey man, take off your earbuds. He's like, no. And then, which I'm not used to hearing, no, especially coming from the military. Right. So my, right. my first instinct is like, I'm going
0: to, I'm going I'm back. the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, And
1: then I, yeah. I'm like, okay. So after class, I call his mother and his mother's like, he's 13. He's your problem. You have to deal with him. And I was like, oh my Whoa. God. And then I had another, another mother came in and his, her, do- her, her son said something really mean to a young girl in the class. So I said, Hey, this is what your son said. And she's like, he said he didn't say it. And I was like, what? And she goes, well, I don't know who to believe, you or him. And I was like, me, I'm fucking wearing a tie. I'm the adult, the teacher. I shouldn't a, laugh. You're... I'm
0: sorry, man. I really shouldn't laugh. Just with that it's response is like, you should believe me. I'm telling you <laughs> yeah. the truth. Like, how would I here.
1: make this up? I don't right. want to be here. I don't want to be having this conversation at 5 p.m. Right. on a Wednesday right. with right. about your son.
0: Hey, you think I, I want, want to start and... this up? Like This does me no good to be talking to you about this if it wasn't true.
1: Yeah. And so oh. things like that. So then when I got over to uh, teaching in Asia, I was really uh, – you know, impressed with the student's discipline, which I kind of related that a little bit to the military, to where the students are in their seats, paying attention, like, you know, a military classroom.
0: Right. Yeah. And whether you like it or not, you're going to listen and pay attention, but it seems like those kids just genuinely actually do. And that just must be, it's a culture thing. It's the way in which, Mm -hmm. you know, they're raised. It's not, not look, not everybody in the classroom is going to tell you to F off, but man, having seen those experiences, it's quite a challenge, especially when you're like, I'm, I'm trying to do good here. Like I'm trying to help. Like I really trying to help these kids out. Got to meet me in the middle or something.
1: Yeah. And education today is kind of, kind of disaster, especially with with COVID now. So
0: it's a little My, my, you know, sort of my case in point is, and I get, there's not a lot we can do to fix it. I think there are ways to get there. It's gotten so big in that, man, it's just, it's a lot of adults making a lot of decisions that I think are about a lot of other adults and not always about the end user which i think is the student but that's a conversation for another day uh, another challenge right it's one thing to travel abroad uh teaching history to incarcerated teens in new york got to come with some challenges what was that experience like for you
1: that was uh, there were parts of it that are really rewarding but of course it was, it was super frustrating as well because you by the time you get to these kids they're already um you know i just did it for probably half a year uh you know i taught incarcerated kids how and- old were they john 16 to 20 without what a kind of, without what a what kind of
0: stuff was it was just you're just teaching just guys
1: yeah there is we it was only a, a man in the programmer. Yeah. what or, kind of stuff you know, have most of boys. these
0: guys done just give us an idea
1: i mean it's all, pretty much all violent crime you're not locked up unless you're doing something you know relatively violent which yeah. is kind of funny it's kind of it's not funny but it's interesting when you're there like God, this kid you know stabbed his his stepmother to to death or something like that and then wow. i'm trying to teach him you know high school history so he can pass a GED and of course a lot of the kids what I liked about that was you could curse at the kids in there you know you could and sure you yeah I mean nobody really cared about them, which made me want to care about them because yeah. a lot of these kids are you know come from terrible homes and things like that and you know oh, man, you really a lot of it do- is
0: that I mean it, it's in their control to make proper decisions but at many times it, it's it's someone out of their control too. And, and it's just, yeah, they're you know, victims probably...
1: before they're offenders most of the time. And they come yeah. from such terrible families. It's like, obviously you ended up here, like your father's in prison, his father's in prison. And like, it's, you know, kind of that cycle. And you know, what I liked most there was getting able to mentor the kids. Like I probably did more work as far mm-hmm. as like, yeah talking to them while we played basketball and things like that. And they respected me more because of my military experience more than like the other teachers. Cause it's like, you know, I've seen combat of, you know, right. and they all knew that. So we kind of had, you know, that in common as well. Um, you know, cause a lot of those kids have, have seen their own, their own form of combat.
0: Look, I mean, the things that you were teaching them out of the books it, important, but I, I would, I would bet those one-on-one conversations playing basketball or doing whatever probably had more of an impact on them than, things you might've read them out of a book. Did, did you ever have a moment leaving one of those sessions where you're just like, I don't think I can go back in there or were you always steadfast and, and, and being you take
1: there as any kind of teacher, you, you kind of take your, some baggage home with you. You kind of take Mm -hmm. some of their problems back home and, you know, in your own backpack. And for me, I couldn't really continue doing it because the wins were like so few and far between. Like Mm -hmm. we have a pass rate for the GED of like less than 3%. Like it's, it's not good because a lot of these kids are reading at like a first grade level. And I'm trying to teach them, you know, about the constitution or whatever. So it's just, it's just impossible to do. And I wanted to get, Upstream of problems where it's like you have to start reaching these kids when they're before they commit their violent crimes. But, you know, I I think that I took all those experiences of teaching and kind of like applied it um, in my book to being, you know, to help student veterans, because a lot of issues student veterans face are the non-traditional Issues that students face, like I said, we tend to be older. Over fifty percent of student veterans have some type of service-connected disability. You have to require employment, so you you know you have to balance all of that, and you're more likely to have uh, a family. You're more likely to be married or you know divorced, like me. But, you know you you still take that baggage yeah. with you.
0: Yeah. What do you? What does John Davis do to to keep that baggage in check? Right. To to keep working. To keep yourself grounded, accelerating, moving forward. What are some of your things that, that sort of help you, right. Keep moving forward.
1: For me, it's about constantly challenging myself. Like I I like to stay on the move. I I like to think that if I stay busy enough, which I try and do, then my PTSD, my problems can't, Mm. can't catch up to me. Like, so I stay busy, I stay organized and I stay challenging myself. And there's lots of different ways to challenge yourself. I found education to be a good challenge because, you know, like I said, I was like, okay, I'll apply to Harvard. Okay, now that's a huge challenge to, you know, to go there and finish the degree. Then you have physical challenges, you have emotional challenges. You have to keep challenging yourself, you know, especially as a guy or, you know, as a young man, because you need to keep that edge. It's so easy after you either take off the uniform or you get done playing sports or stop competing to kind of you know, hit the cruise control, which that's what frustrates me a lot about the veteran community is you see these veterans who do these incredible things while they're serving. And then they get out and it's like their engine stops running. Mm, they kind of yeah. stop pursuing challenges. Sure. And the cool thing about the military, you know, and sports is they put challenges in front of you. They put obstacles in front of you for you to overcome. And then when you get out, you have to put those obstacles in front of yourself because it's very easy to settle into a routine, a comfortable life, but a comfortable life is kind of a slow death too.
0: That's right. If you're a veteran listening, or if you have a loved one, right, who is serving, right, maybe transitioning out of the military soon and thinking about what to do next. And if they're feeling overwhelmed with the idea of maybe going to college or going back to college or whatever that may be, let's give you some good advice and some good news. And I want to give a shout out to those universities across our country that are embracing the veteran community. I'll give you an example. I'm in Apex, North Carolina. About an hour and 10 minutes south of me is Fayetteville State University. It's not a very big school. It's a historically black college and university, but it is a great veteran resource in the North Carolina system. And I think it's actually, I mean, probably leading the way across the country in many aspects. And the reason I bring it up, John, I'd love your thoughts too, is they have a way in which based on your military experience, and some certifications that you might already have, and some things you did throughout your military career, you could walk into a bachelor's program, right? Or a certification program already with some credits. So there is good news out there. they like, you're not always starting from scratch. You're not always starting from ground zero. You might be able to walk in on day one and go pursue uh, a degree or of that might lead to sort of phase 2.0 of your life with some credits already. So that's worth checking into and looking around for maybe universities or, or places of higher education that that might have programs in place for veterans. What what have you seen out there that might be helpful?
1: Yeah, there's so much out there. I think a lot of people view the GI bills only for traditional education, sitting in the classroom, but you can use a GI bill now for so many different things. You can use it for, uh you know, the vocational training, you can use mm-hmm. apprenticeships, police academies, flight schools, scuba school, all these different things, you know, in order to, to, uh, to help yourself. Yeah. I mean, so many veterans or so many Americans plunge themselves so deep into debt to go to school. And a lot of veterans who have the GI Bill and can essentially go for free, choose not to go and a lot to start don't finish. So I want to give veterans first the confidence that, you know, education is for you. A lot of people think, you know, there's three life choices kind of when you get out of high school. You have the military, you have workforce and you have college. And veterans, you know, traditionally chose the military. So it's like, ah, education is not for me. And it's tough to go back to school. You know, when I first got to, to college, I was like 30. And it, so you feel like you're going backwards in life. But the veteran life isn't really as linear as, you know, we like to think. I mean, there's lots of ups and downs to it. And it doesn't matter if you're 30, you're 40, you're 50. Learning is for everyone. Self-growth is for everyone. Even if you're not learning in a traditional way environment like a college you have to stay learning you have to stay pushing yourself you know listen to podcasts do read books talk to people don't only you know scroll on your phone all day because it's not going to help you
0: that's good advice for everybody listening quite frankly be honest with you his name's john davis john tell them where they can go man find out more about you Uh, find out more about the book follow you all that good stuff give us an info dump
1: My uh, website is johnhdaviswriter.com, and I have my blog there where I have different articles, you know, um, about therapy and things like that. I'm a big fan of kind of non-traditional therapy, you know, finding your own forms of therapy. And education is one form, you know, one form of therapy. Other therapies I write about are like travel therapy, tattoo therapy, and things like that. So kind of any way, you know, that can help you because I I do feel like veterans along with society have kind of become – over-medicated and under-helped by, you know, a lot of the medical institutions and the VA. Um, So on my website, I have my book, um, Combat College here. And I also have a student veterans semester journal, which I did, which takes veterans through like a weekly planner. You know, it has goals, tips, motivation, kind of like you know, how to budget, budget your money because your Smart. economic health is a like, what do I do in now? In this is all
0: great, but what do we do now, right? Yeah, so
1: it, it takes you through a 16-week semester. So he, week one all the way to 16, you know, helps you study all those types of things. I also have a free coaching program that I developed for student veterans. If you're looking to help student veterans or if you're in an institution, this coaching program's for free on my website. You know, I developed it uh, with some expert coaches to help student veterans. Uh, yeah, and buy books on Amazon, Combat's to college, And I'm on Instagram, you know, John H. Davis writer. So, yeah,
0: guys, go check them out. And if you know somebody that needs to listen to this episode, this one feels to me like you guys would be listening like, oh, I got somebody in mind who needs to hear this, right? Maybe student veteran or somebody getting ready to make that transition. Sounds like John's got some great things for him. John, this has been great, man. Hope you had a great day with us. Hope you have a great veteran's day. And uh Peter, it was good to talk to you today. It seemed to uh seemed to work out pretty well for our timing here. So really appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah, hey, I'm I'm super excited about it. Like I said, I think that you know, every American has to think about how we can close the civil military gap and how the yeah. military can become more connected, you know, to the civilian population and vice versa.
0: Well said. He's John Davis. He's the author of Combat to College, Applying the Military Mentality as a Student Veteran. I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast.